0: For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Sean Witt entitled, Running with a Purpose. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Good afternoon to those that are here and good afternoon to my mom and all those online as well on this beautiful Sabbath day. Yeah, it's definitely a purpose, not a porpoise. Okay, so many years ago, in my senior year of high school, I decided to go out for the track and field team. It's something I had wanted to do for a while, but I had put it off till my senior year. I had some circumstances that made it impossible for me to do previously, Um, specifically in my junior year. I had gotten uh, burned in an incident working at Burger King. I'd spilled hot oil on my foot, so I couldn't run that year. So senior year came and I decided It's either now or never, so I decided to go out for the track team. And since I'd never really been on a track team before, I didn't really know what to expect. I had ran a little bit over the years in junior high and such, but never had really been part of a team. So I decided to go out for the team, and I I made it on the team. I was able to fast enough to do so. And the coach suggested, why don't you try running 1,600 meters, which is a mile. I figured, that's not a big deal, you know four times around the track, that's a mile, I I think I could do that. So I figured that's safe, Uh, you know, how hard could that be? So fast forward to the day of our first track meet, you know, I'd been training and running with the team and getting in shape. We uh, went to our biggest rival, the track meet was at their school, which was the Skyline Eagles, was our arch nemesis. And it was a beautiful night. Not too cool out. It was just the perfect temperature, you know, for running. Good sized crowd from both teams there to support everyone. And I was a little nervous because I didn't know what to expect. You know, this is the first time I'm running in a race. Wasn't really sure what was going to happen. So, as I recall, there was about six other runners besides myself. So, when that gun went off, boom, I took off running. And I'm just flying down the track. And I'm way ahead of everybody. And I was like, yeah, I've got this. I got this for sure. You know, I'm just like way ahead. They're like half a lap behind me. And I'm like looking or just eating my dust. Well, by the middle of the third lap, um, actually it's the second lap, I started to realize that uh, uh, everybody slowly started passing me. And I thought, uh, I don't in fact really have this at all. (laughs) I thought I had this in the bag, you know, they're way behind me. By the middle of the third lap I was the only one out there. Everybody else had already finished. So uh, needless to say I was a bit embarrassed and humiliated and I just wanted this race to be over at this point. But I still had the last lap to run and everybody's just kinda watching as I'm out there running by myself. So, you know, needless to say at the end of the race I was a bit discouraged. So I went over to my coach, and uh, he was very kind to me. He was very encouraging. The first thing he says to me was, uh, "Hey, Jack Rabbit, <laughs> that was quite a takeoff." I was like, "Oh, thanks." You know, <laughs> and he suggested, "Why don't you try running the 800 meters next time?" Which is, you know, twice around. He says, uh, "You got a pretty good kick. You know, I think you'd be fast, but you don't, you won't burn out quite as quickly. Let's try." you know, doing half. We'll do the 800 instead. So, uh, went ahead and did that instead of the 1600. And he just said, you know, you just need to pace yourself. When you get out there, just pace yourself and you'll be just fine. You don't want to go full force when you get out there. Don't just take off like a rocket, you know, and fly ahead of everybody. And when the race comes to the final stretch, that is when you you kick in that last bit of energy that should still be there, and then you can overtake your opponent. So, I did not understand that I was going to burn up my energy so quickly, like I was doing a 100 yard dash. You know, I'm out there doing a distance run, and I'm running it like a 100 yard dash. It doesn't quite work. So, it was a good life lesson to learn, uh, which I did not fully understand because i never run before. It's the first time, and I didn't realize you need to pace yourself to conserve your energy throughout the entire race. So, after that, I incorporated that into my training that I would pace myself, and I would use that. And today, I would like to talk about, just like in training for a race, how important it is, in our spiritual training, we take it seriously, that we don't become complacent, that we don't burn up our energy too quickly, that we pace ourselves throughout our run through this life as the lessons we learn. So, I'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24-27. through 27. And this talks about the need for self-discipline. Do you not know that in a race, all the racers run, but not only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who completes, competes in a game goes into strict training. You have to be training. They do it. To get a crown. That crown will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No I strike a blow to my body to make it a slave. So that after I have preached to others. I myself will not be disqualified for that prize. So you got to train with a purpose. Paul is saying we have to run purposely taking our salvation seriously this is our training ground right now so we need to be taking it very serious we have a great prize awaiting for us it's a crown, it's a crown that lasts forever and it's the eternal life to be in God's family we can't just run around aimlessly without self control we have to have a God given purpose that's what we're here for on this earth And our ultimate goal needs to be in the forefront of our minds. You know, it's easy to go through the motions, living each day, day in and day out doing the same thing, just beating the air, making no progress. But we need to realize that this life, the way we have lived it up until now, it's changing before our very eyes, if you look around. It's not getting any better. Things are heating up around in our country. There's more chaos happening every day. I don't have to explain it, we're all living it. I think we understand what's going on out there. So at this time, I'd like to show you a short video. You guys may remember 20 years ago, uh, back when everybody was talking about the Y2K bug, that all the computers are gonna crash, and planes are gonna fall out of the sky, and all this stuff. Well, I find it ironic, this commercial is kinda similar to what's going on now. So. Anyway, I'd like to show this commercial and I'll come up after it's over. Morning. How you doing? All right. So, about the only thing missing was I don't think we have giraffes running around yet, or stray missiles going crazy. But who knows? Maybe next week. (laughs) You know, I feel um, more than ever. We have to be intentional, as Paul tells us, to wake up. We need to quit hitting the snooze button and be more intentional with our walk with God. I'm talking to myself as much as anybody. With human nature it's easy to not want to push ourselves like like we should, you know, we like things to be comfortable, but that's not how we grow. Like exercising our muscles, we have to step out of our comfort zones. And we have to grow to become stronger. So at this point, let's go to Hebrews twelve, one through thirteen. We we'll talk a little bit more about this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. And the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him. Has endured the cross. Scorning at shame. And sat down at the right hand of his throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary. And of loose heart. In your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You have not completely forgotten. This word of encouragement. That addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says my son. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when He rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones He loves. He chastens everyone. He accepts as His son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children for what children children are not disciplined by their father. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate not true sons and daughters at all moreover we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and who respected we respected them for it and how much should we submit to our father of spirits and live they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best but god disciplines us not for good in order that we may share in for god disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make paths for your feet, so that the lame may be disabled, but rather healed. May be not disabled, but rather healed. So in the previous chapter, before the one I just read, it's Hebrews eleven, which is commonly called the Faith Chapter. It mentions In great detail, for example, a lot of people that had strong faith in God. It is to encourage us that we too can be fruitful and overcome as they did. And that we have to have total faith in God as well as they did in their examples. Each and every one of them had total faith in God, allowing them to transform and to change their hearts. And God is going to do whatever it takes to get us to where we need to be for his glory. We are told to throw off every thing that hinders us and the sin that easily entangles us and let us run the race that has been marked out for us. So, what could be hindering us? What is it we're carrying around that's hindering us? Well, I got an example I'd like to show you. All right, so I've got this duffel bag. Those can see the duffel bag. And I'm going to open up this duffel bag. It's hindering me right now because I can't get it open. So I'm going to set it here. All right, so weights that uh, hinder us. Let's say guilt from past sins. Okay, um, let's say we're worried about job loss, or we already have lost our job. Murder hornets. (laughs) Um, There's all kinds of things we could be worried about. We'll just throw this in here for just general fears of life. Just fear of COVID, if things are getting worse out there. and just, just being fearful in general and not relying on God. So we'll throw these in here as well. And a couple more for good measure, just extra fears. All right, so now I'm going to start running. So I don't think I'm going to get very far with this big old heavy bag that's hindering me. I'm going to throw that off like I've been told to do. So anyway, I think that's a good example of, you know, it gets pretty heavy carrying around these things. We just need to give it to God. Chapter 12 also tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, our perfect example, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. We need to consider what he went through for us. He overcame, and He is now in the right hand of God as our advocate, cheering us on, And besides cheering us on, he's also providing us strength when ours is low. You know, it's not easy being disciplined by God, but God will do whatever it takes to transform us. And he'll help us grow. As I mentioned, as fathers, we want to do the best for our children. And we want them to grow. So like in chapter 12 says, much more does God love us. The one who created you and me And allowed His only begotten Son to be sacrificed to cover our sins, make it possible so we can be in His family. Now let's go to uh, John sixteen thirty three. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have good peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer; I have overcome the world. You know we will have trials and tribulations. But like the runner in the commercial, we can have peace as well. And he he wasn't concerned about all the stuff going around. He was just running, doing his thing. As we run our race, even while the world is falling down around us, we need to keep pursuing. We need to keep doing that race. We have to be running with a purpose. You know, I find it more ironic that my first message of 2020 was entitled 2020 Vision. And I talked about the importance of keeping our eye on Jesus and staying focused on him. This message was given before all the craziness of this year. To have peace that Jesus provides, we must stay focused and run our race. We must keep our eyes on Jesus and the goal of the kingdom, encouraging other runners as we run ourselves. So at this time, I'd like to show another short video that shows real-life example of encouraging and helping other runners in our race. So if Brian doesn't mind, go ahead and show that video. Taking a toll on a couple runners trying to finish those final 20 yards. Wow. Yeah, you can see. What, what a tremendous show of sportsmanship as you've got an athlete who can't quite make it and they've got a team, a, a girl from another team trying to help her to the finish line so she can finish the race. That's what, that's now another what the sport one is well. all about. Oh, my goodness. This is just incredible. The sportsmanship, phenomenal as you see those final yards there. As you see, Clemson and Louisville helping the Boston College runner. That's Tate and Pease. And the Boston College runner can't even lift her legs right now. She'll try to cross the finish line. What a shot right here at Wakeman Soccer Park and Kerry. But you sacrifice your own position wow. to help another athlete finish what they started, and that, that's a true sportsmanship. isn't that a great example you know i recently heard of another example that i thought was pretty moving Um, so this gentleman's running the race and he's almost to the finish line and he stops and everybody's like what's he doing he's stopping before the finish line he thought he had crossed the finish line he thought he won the race but he didn't so the second place guy comes up behind him he has a decision to make am i just going to blow past this person and win the race or do I help him? He chose to go up behind him, and he pushed him over the finish line. And the interviewers asked him, it's like, well, what were you doing? What were you thinking? You could have easily won this race. His response was, well, what would my mama think of me? <laughs> I guess he was an Italian uh, runner, and he just was more concerned about doing the right thing than to just go through and win this race. You know, another great example of someone showing godly love to one another. I mean, I, th- I think that's a great example. All right, so now let's go to um, Philippians, verses 3, or actually, chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. We need to put our paths behind us. I mentioned before we cannot carry around the weight of the world. We need to press on towards the goal. If we're lugging around this bag, it's just it's not going to work well for us. We need to give it to God. So to further expand on this, let's go to Isaiah forty. And we're going to read verses 28 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run. They shall not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What a great promise. We only become strong when we depend on God's strength. We cannot do it on our own. And let's see. On that last Verse Brian, I forgot to put which verse this is that I have up here. If you know which one that is, let's see. It's uh, verse six through eight, but I don't remember what chapter we were in for that one. But anyway, I'll go ahead and just read what it says here. For I am already being poured out. This is Paul speaking, and he's won the race. And I believe it's in uh, Corinthians, but I remember the exact chapter that I had. But anyway, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not me only, but also those who have loved his appearing." You know, we have troubling times ahead of us, which we can successfully maneuver through. With God's help, it's just like Paul did, finishing his race successfully, as he just mentioned. As we are running, be of good cheer. And remember that God will give us our second wind. He will help us, give us strength, as he has mentioned in Isaiah 40. So in conclusion... The feast is just around the corner, which is a good reminder of why we run and what we have looking forward to in God's kingdom. We each have a finish line waiting for us. We all have a race to run. The terrain may be difficult at times, but we can still have peace and strength to endure as we run with a purpose.